0: From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Friday the 23rd of September. Good afternoon. Today we're going to be talking about the UK's new plan to slash taxes, but we'll also be discussing three other important stories from around the world, including Russia's referendums and China's purge. But first, the UK's emergency budget. Early this morning, the UK's Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, announced a huge series of tax cuts and fiscal policies that may amount to the biggest set of tax changes since 1972. Far from being a so-called mini-budget, this was a massive economic intervention that set to cost some £45 billion over the next four years, and increase government borrowing by £72 billion. Now, Liz Truss's new government is certainly taking a gamble here and hoping that the massive tax cuts will spur a significant economic growth and turn the vicious cycle of stagnation into a virtuous cycle of growth. Kwasi Kwarteng's statement, billed as the growth plan, contained a long list of policies, any of which would have made the headlines by themselves. So let's go through them quickly firstly april's 1.25 percentage point increase in national insurance will now be reversed with it staying at the current level also the planned rise in corporation tax will be scrapped too meaning that the rate will stay at 19 percent rather than rising to 25 percent as such kuateng has said that the uk will have the lowest corporation tax level of anywhere in the g20 Added to that, the highest income tax rate, which is 45% on earnings over £150,000, will be abolished, and the basic income tax rate will be cut from 20% to 19% in April of next year. The tax paid on buying a house, known as stamp duty, is also set to be cut. That means no stamp duty will be paid on the first quarter of a million pounds of a property and for first-time buyers, that threshold will be raised to £425,000. The government is also set to create new low-tax investment zones, with nearly 40 areas around the country in discussion to become one. Away from taxation, Kwasi Kwarteng announced that the UK will be lifting the cap on bankers' bonuses, allowing bonuses to rise essentially as high as they want. Meanwhile though, there'll be a tightening of benefit rules, meaning that more people claiming state benefits face a cut in their income if they don't fulfil job search requirements. In response to strike action taking place across the country, the government will also legislate to require unions to put pay offers to a member vote, so that strikes can only be called after a genuine breakdown in negotiations. So those are the headline announcements, which the chancellor framed as a new approach for a new era focused on growth. However, his statement that growth isn't as high as it should be and hailing a new era drew laughs and heckles from the opposition benches, who pointed out that it was his party, the conservatives, who had been in power for the last 12 years. While some of these policies will certainly put more money in the pockets of normal people, Other policies, like lifting the cap on bankers' bonuses and abolishing the top rate of income tax, might be a little harder to sell to a general public who are currently feeling quite the squeeze. In fact, by looking at the tax savings broken down by gross salary, you can see that they disproportionately benefit the better off. For example, someone earning £20,000 will keep an extra £218 in the next financial year, which amounts to a rise of nearly 1.1%. By contrast, someone earning 10 times more, £200,000, will keep an additional £4,333, equivalent to almost 2.2%. Now, the justification from the Chancellor is that these tax cuts, especially the ones for the wealthy and those in the financial sector, are necessary to spur investment and economic growth. In his own words, our entire focus is on making Britain more globally competitive, not losing out to our competitors abroad. In response to the plan, the Labour Party Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves said that it's not a plan for growth, it's a plan to reward the already wealthy, a return to the trickle down of the past, back to the future, not a brave new world. Ok, so that's the biggest story here in the UK today, but there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. With just weeks to go until the Chinese Communist Party's key congress, where President Xi Jinping is expected to secure an unprecedented third term, China has jailed a number of high-profile former officials for crimes including bribery and corruption. For example, China's former Deputy Public Security Minister, allegedly the leader of a venomous political clique, was handed a suspended death sentence that will be commuted to life imprisonment with no possibility for parole. A court said that his crimes include bribery amounting to $91 million, stock market manipulation, and more. While the former justice minister, who spearheaded many anti-corruption campaigns himself, was also convicted and sentenced to death so this will also be commuted to a life sentence. President Xi had vowed at the last party congress in 2017 to secure a sweeping victory against corruption, which he described as the greatest threat facing the party. However, the timing of this latest crackdown is a little suspicious and will certainly remind state officials of the importance of staying in the party's good books. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make The Daily Briefing part of your everyday routine. Or you can just search for us in your podcast app to listen along. Next up. Let's move to Russia, where voting has begun in Russian-controlled regions of eastern and southern Ukraine, in self-styled referendums where the public will be voting on whether they want to become part of Russia. Now, the results of these votes are already seen as a foregone conclusion, and are expected to be used by Moscow as a justification to formally annex the regions of Luhansk, Donetsk, Curzon and Zaporizhia. The referendums have also already been condemned and denounced by Ukraine and its western allies, with them calling them illegitimate and a sham. These four regions are significant too because they represent some 15% of Ukrainian territory, roughly equivalent to the size of Hungary. Now these votes have been discussed in pro-Russian circles for months now, but they're taking place at an interesting time. Just after a Ukrainian counteroffensive began to recapture territory, and after Russian President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization of 300,000 reservists. It's unlikely that either of these things will play into the result, and it's almost certain that Russia will use these referendums as an excuse to take more power. But we'll have to wait and see. Finally then, for the first time in Northern Ireland's 100 year history, Catholics now outnumber Protestants in the country. While this demographic shift was not totally unexpected, it's certainly notable for a nation whose borders were drawn with the explicit intention of creating an entity with a Protestant majority. According to the latest census figures, 45.7% of Northern Ireland's population come from a Catholic background, while 43.5% come from a Protestant one. And the figures for religious self-identification paint a similar picture, with 42.3% of people identifying as Catholic and 37.3% as Protestant. Now whether or not we'll see a united island anytime soon remains to be seen, as a person's religious background is no longer as tightly linked to their political position and identity as it once was. Regardless though, in terms of national identity, British only does remain the largest group within Northern Ireland, at 31.9%. But 29.1% do say that they identify as Irish only. And that is notable because it means that the British only figure has registered an 8 percentage point drop since the last census in 2011, and the Irish only figure rose by 4%. What does that mean for the Union and the United Ireland though? Well, we don't know yet, but it is a remarkable shift. That's all we have time for today, so thanks for watching the Daily Briefing. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, because we are really so close to 100,000 subscribers. And if we do get the silver play button by the end of this week, then Ben, the normal host of this show, will present next week's briefings in fancy dress. Now, he doesn't know that, but he's on holiday at the moment, so what a lovely surprise to come back to. Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've already watched ad-free, but also get an extended version of the show every single weekday. Available to watch on Nebula or to stream on your podcast app of choice. So if you want to support the channel and get an even more extensive briefing every day, then you'll want to sign up. And there's good news. Our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service with some of the world's best documentaries, is offering a deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $15 a year. That's all the documentaries you could want on Stream, and then more TLDR on Nebula, including the extended briefing, other full exclusive TLDR videos, and, well, it's always ad-free too. Click the link below to get both services for less than $15 a year and support the channel.